Did you remember your Creator this morning? I was thinking uh, as I drove to the church building early that uh, how much of a pleasure it's been to spend this time, especially with you young folks, the studies we've had. What a blessing it has been, and it makes me kind of sad that this is the last time that we can do this in this format. Uh, it may be the last time we ever get to do it, but we're, I've been truly blessed by you. You're, you're a group of good, good young people. <clears throat> My family drove up from Panhandle this, this morning, I should say drove down from Panhandle. And I hope y'all uh, get to know them. I know they would benefit from that, and you, I believe you would benefit also. I'm kind of partial. Uh, <clears throat> I hope you don't have an earworm. You know what an earworm is? An earworm is when uh, you hear a song and you can't get it out of your head. You know, all day you're just singing this song over and over, right? <clears throat> well, we're going to study about choices and when I put this together, I thought, looking for love in all the wrong places. Now, some of you young folks may not remember this tune, but I know Ian Jones has got an earworm. And when I started giving this sermon there in Pampa, I said, looking for love in all the wrong places, and he just went. Because he knew that was going to be in his head the rest of the day. Anyway, <clears throat> put this uh, study together because... We uh, wanted to influence our children to choose a potential mates from kids that were in the church and young, young people that were in the church and, uh, because we want what's best for them. But I remember that any suggestion that my parents made to me about have you considered this young lady here, how, how uh, godly she is and how, uh, you know, all these good attributes that she has? And inevitably when she said that, I disqualified her. Do y'all do that? I would advise against it. But I put this study together for these purposes and would like you to consider one of my favorite writers... One of my favorite quotes, he says, If I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And, uh, but of course, the Bible always says it better. It always says it better. In Ecclesiastes 3 and 11, He hath made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from beginning to end. And it's interesting that this, this word that is translated world in the King James, the definition in the Hebrew is everlasting or eternity. Now have you ever considered that every culture in the world has developed some way to, to try to reach, to try to explain eternity, to try to explain God? Because that's been put in our hearts, that desire for that. I'm going to ask you, have you ever known 
a person like this? Look, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thy heart shall utter perverse things. Now, what we're speaking about here is a drunkard, but you can apply it to any, any addiction. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of the mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it again. I occasionally visit an old uh, friend of mine from high school, and uh, he's a farmer up there in our part of the country. And uh, he's also a drunkard. And uh, he originally started out his, his professional life as a, he got a master's degree. And he got a, was a financial wizard in Dallas. Uh, but he developed this uh, appetite for alcohol and drugs. And he lost his family and he lost his kids. So he, he quit, quit his job and he moved to Panhandle and uh, decided he was going to farm his family farm, take over his dad had passed away. So I go out there and visit him occasionally. And he told me one time, he's got this old hound, you know, 15-year-old, big old black dog. And he, he told me, he said, you know, I can't figure something out. He said, one night I was sitting here and I thought, man, it'll be funny if I share uh, drinks with my dog. So he did that. And the dog got to stumbling around and fell down and, you know, got sick and threw up. He said, I can't figure out why that dog won't do that again. And I ask you, why do humans do that again when a dog won't? Is that, is, that, is that a curious question to you? And I would pose uh, that humans are trying to fill a void inside themselves. They're trying to reach fulfillment in whatever way, fashion, form they can. Whether it be escape, loss of feeling, euphoria, whatever it is. They're trying to fill a void. <clears throat> now, everyone here that's reached, reached the age of accountability, and what I mean by that is, everyone here who knows good from evil and knows what sin is, know that you have sin. And you have experienced, to some degree or another, this void. And this void, when it's unchecked, will grow and grow. It's the nature of it. So why did this void come into existence? It's explained in Genesis chapter 1. So God created man in His own image, and the image of God created He him. Male and female created He them. In His image, in His symbolness, in His likeness. And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. 
And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now the Lord gave man a purpose, and He also gave him a command. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden and dressed it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in that day that thou eatest, therefore thou shalt surely die. He gave him a purpose. And he gave him a command. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. This entity is the same force that tempts you and tempts me. The same one that said this, you shall not surely die, but you will become as gods. Now, <clears throat> the woman trusted in her heart. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Do you remember what we studied on earlier this week? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Adam and Eve experienced it right there. And they trusted their hearts. And the Lord knew. What did the Lord say to them? Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. And the sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of, the, of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all thy days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shalt bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread, till thy return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. The void entered the world. The void entered the heart of man. Romans 5 and 12, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. The void was there. The void is here. The void is here. Now, <clears throat> that void, okay, people will seek to fill that void with all kinds of things. All kinds of ungodly things. And then some good people will try to fill that thing with some good things and some bad things. <clears throat> I'll tell you something. I love to sit in that pew with my wife by my side and I love to sing praises to God. And I love to hold her hand when we pray. But I'm going to tell you something. She's going to let me down. And I know I've let her down. 
okay? It's the nature of humanity. We are imperfect, okay? There's only one, one being that will not let you down. Something that concerns me greatly, in Isaiah chapter 59, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. He will not hear. <clears throat> you fellas may, and, and young ladies may wonder why I walk around like a peg leg, okay? I'm going to tell you a little story. <laughs> During the summers, I came home from college between semesters, and I would work for farmers and ranchers and, you know, stuff like that, construction. Anyway... <clears throat> I'm driving along. Fella ran a yield sign, clipped my tail end, flipped my truck three, three times and rolled it uh, three times. Somewhere along the way, it chucked me out of the windshield. And I'm up above this truck. And it seemed like I was 30 feet in the air. I don't know how high I was. But I saw this truck rolling underneath me. And you know what? People say, your whole life flashes before you when you think you're going to die. Uh, that was not the case with me. Or you remember what is the most important in your life. I, I don't know. But I know this. I wasn't thinking about some foolish game they call football, which was top of my life. I wasn't thinking about my family. I wasn't thinking about my friends. I wasn't thinking about my favorite type of entertainment. You know what I was thinking about? I was thinking, dear God, please forgive me of my sins. That's what I was thinking. Because <clears throat> I thought I was going to die. I woke up out in the middle of a wheat field, and my right leg was laying beside my head. And I'm going to tell you something. I was so happy I didn't die. Because... I knew that if I would have died, it would not have gone well for my soul. And let me tell you why. Because it's a misconception of what living in sin is. You know, I was under the... the, the I believe that if you could, you could go out and do whatever you wanted to do, as long as you said, God, please forgive me of my sins the moment before death... Or at night before you went to bed in case you died in your sleep. And you'd wake up in heaven. That's not the way God works. You say those prayers and you're totally committed to doing these things over and over and you just kind of, you're playing this game with God, you know? And still living a lifestyle of sin. <clears throat> it troubles me that to think that you pray to God when you're committed to doing these sins and He don't hear us. 1 Peter 3 and 12, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and His ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now, you young folks are exposed more to this than I ever was and, and some of the older folks were uh, exposed to. In school, entertainment, uh, you get on Google, as uh, Marlon was talking about, and you can Google this. 
Okay? And there'll be thousands of famous people that say basically the same thing. Trust your heart. Follow your heart. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. I just cherry-picked a few quotes. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Trust thyself. Every heart, rate, heart, heart vibrates to that iron string. Independence, that's the iron string. You're your own man. You're your own woman. You forge your own path. You follow your own heart. Now, I didn't know who this was. I know all you kids know. who I know who she is now, but I didn't know who she was when I, when I saw this quote. <clears throat> I, I originally called her uh, buoyancy, and that's not the way you'd say that. <clears throat> but uh, Beyonce, I got that right, didn't I? Anyway, she says, I don't have to prove anything to anyone. I only have to follow my own heart. Concentrate on what I want to say to the world. I run my world. Carl Jung, a very famous uh, psychologist. A lot of the teaching in psychiatry is based upon some of his stuff. Your vision will become clear only when you look into your heart. Who looks outside dreams, who looks inside awakens. George Michael, another singer. You'll never find peace of mind until you listen to your heart. Princess Diana. Only do what your heart tells you. Celine Dion. If you follow your dreams, it means you follow your heart. If you do follow your heart, I don't think you can go wrong. I'm going to tell you something. She don't know me. Because every time I followed my heart, it ended up in disaster. Not only for me, but for everybody around me. And I'm going to tell you something else. These people didn't know your heart. And what's more importantly, they didn't know their own hearts. The Scripture says in Jeremiah 17 and 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's what the Word of God says about the human heart. King David was so concerned because he had done things, he had sinned, and it, has, it had caused him much pain. And he didn't want to do it again. He did not want to live in sin again. And he was so concerned, this was his prayer. In Psalms 26, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins in my heart. That's how concerned David was. David didn't, he didn't want to go to hell. You see? <clears throat> the wisest man that ever lived besides Jesus Christ. King Solomon. <clears throat> 1 Kings 4, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding, exceeding much, and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is, in the, is on the seashore. Now Solomon decided he was going to have a great experiment to see how much stuff he could expose himself to and what was good and enjoyable and profitable. In Ecclesiastes 2, Solomon says, I said in my heart, Go to now, I will prove thee with mirth. 
Therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this is also vanity. I said of laughter it is mad, and of mirth what doeth it? I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine. He gave himself to wine. This guy didn't go in a closet and drink a glass of wine or a drink. He gave himself to wine. Do you know what that means? Wine dominated him. <clears throat> I gave myself unto wine, yet acquainting my heart with wisdom and to lay hold on folly. He tried it. Whatever his heart desired, he tried it. King Solomon had whatever his heart desired. He had possessions, palaces, 700 wives and 300 concubines, I believe. Servants, musicians, gardens, wealth. And whatever he wanted to do, he did it. What did he say when he, at the end of this experiment? Ecclesiastes 2 and 11. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was no profit under the sun. He's like, it's all sand running through my hands. And it ain't, it's good for nothing. I get no pleasure in it. <clears throat> I uh, used to live in the second story of this big nice house in Dallas. And uh, the landlord lived, had the whole first floor. And uh, I knew the guy pretty well. And I got to know him well, better while I was there. Because I saw a lot of him coming and going. And uh, this guy would jump on planes at the drop of a hat. He'd travel all over the country. Go to Canada and Mexico, all over the place. And uh, he, would, he would go to parties and, and galas and, and balls and, and all these different things. And award ceremonies in San Francisco and Denver and... He'd always come back and he would have artwork. I got to talking to him and some of these art pieces would be $25,000, $30,000 a piece. I was just sitting there going, wow. You know what he would do with those? He'd hang them on the wall for maybe two or three weeks. And then he'd go take them down and put them in a storage shed. And I was thinking, what in the world? And then he'd go buy some more and hang them on the wall that were more expensive and leave them on there for a month and he'd take them down, put them in a closet. Got to noticing. This guy would wake up and he would take a pill to get up. And he'd take a pill to get through the day. And he'd get home and he'd smoke some weed to relax. And then he'd take another couple of pills to go to sleep. Deuteronomy 28. And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night, and shall have none assurance of thy life. 
In the morning thou shalt say, Would God it were even? And at even thou shalt say, Would God it were morning? For the fear of thine heart wherewith thou shalt fear, and for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see. Do you know the desire of people like that? That have to do that to get through the day and the night? You get up in the morning and you wish the day was over. And you go to bed at night and you wish the night was over. That's as close to hell as you can get on earth. Just make it stop. Just make it stop. Ecclesiastes 2 and 17. Solomon said, Therefore I hated life. I hated life. Because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you something. Is that inside of you? Do you have a hole inside of you? Did you keep trying to grab stuff and cram into it? And it might get it close to being full, but then it empties. And then you have to grab more of it and cram it in there so it'll get close to full, but it never reaches anywhere close. It gets lower and lower, and you're taking more and more of it. And this is the nature of these things. Whether it be drugs, whether it be relationships, whether it be immor immorality of any kind, fleshly or mental, the things you get into on the internet, you have to have more and more of it. Is your self-value directly correlated with how many likes you get on your post? Is it directly correlated with how many little hearts you have on your post. How many people love your stuff? Is that where the sense of value is? Is there a hole in you? Because those things will never fill it. They will never fill it. And eventually, that hole will swallow you. John 7 and 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of flowing water. Jesus Christ is the only thing that's going to fill the void that we have in our hearts. It's the only thing. John 10, the thief cometh not to but, but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. This is the best life on earth, brothers and sisters. It's the best one. All that other stuff, that fun lasts for about that long. And then you've got to have more and more of it to, be, to meet what the, the sense, the feeling that you had before. 
and you never can reach it. You ever heard the term chasing the dragon's tail? That's what it is. That's what addicts call it, of whatever variety. You know, over there in Luke 15, we studied, of course, uh, the prodigal son. But there's three illustrations that Jesus gave. He gave an illustration of a piece of silver that was lost. I'm going to tell you something. Something about a piece of silver, an inanimate object. That piece of silver did not know it was lost. But if you're here today and you have not come in contact with the blood of Jesus Christ, you know you're lost. You know it. He also gave an illustration of a sheep that was lost. I'm going to tell you something, that sheep knew it was lost. But it didn't know how to get back. It didn't know how to get back. I'll tell you how you get back. The Bible tells us how we, more importantly, the Bible tells us how we get back. We confess our sins. We ask for prayers. We turn from our old ways. And we walk with Christ. We develop those good habits. And then he tells the story of the prodigal son who threw all that stuff away. You know what the thing about that son was? He knew he was lost and he knew how to get back. He knew how to come back. He knew that he needed to walk down the aisle. They knew that. But you know what? He had to have that pride knocked out of him first. He had to humble himself. He had to humble himself. Because pride will not stand in the face of the Father. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant's promises, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off were made nigh by the blood of Christ. Please get out your songbooks. I love you guys. It's been a pleasure studying with you. <clears throat> the thought of anyone here missing heaven is a very, very sorrowful thought. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. And we don't want to embarrass anybody. That's not what it's about. But we want everybody to go to heaven. I don't know. I don't know your hearts. I don't know them. You don't know mine. But the Lord knows. And you know. 
you know. And there's no hiding from God. It's all going to come out someday. So let's make it right. Let's make it right. Let's assure our place in heaven as we stand and sing.